Hello and welcome back to another episode of ST Talks. I'm Laura Demmer, your host, and today we are with ST Genetics Director of Genetic Advancement, David Kendall, and he is here with us to discuss the slick gene and what this gene could mean to the industry and what ST Genetics is doing with its slick research as well. So to start, David, can you first just explain to us what exactly is the slick gene? Sure, Laura. It's a pleasure and honor to be on here, and, and I'm excited to talk about Slick. It's something I've had a, a strong personal interest in for about 10 years, and I'm very happy that ST is involved in this, in this area. The Slick gene was originally a natural mutation that occurred in at least three different Caribbean breeds, in the Senapol, the Carrillo, and the Romanasa Lamanero. And what's interesting is it was a co-evolutionary development, which means that it happened independently and it gave you the same effect, but it's not exactly the same mutation. And what it, what it basically boils down to is there's a mutation um, in the prolactin gene that makes the prolactin, and prolactin expression shorter, which gives animals a short hair coat. And it's just like they've been clipped up for Madison. It's amazing. You know, their hair coats are always slick and shiny. It's existed maybe for up to four up to 500 years. We really don't know. Um, it's been focused on accidentally within the Puerto Rican Holstein population probably for the last 50 to 60 years. It snuck in through crossbreeding with Carrillos or something. We're not exact, or Senapols, we're not exactly sure that when it came in. Um, in uh, people in Puerto Rico were actually been selecting for this in the Holstein population for a while, simply because the cows were more productive. They had mm -hmm. produced more and they had greater reproductive performance. And um, well, it was conscious, it wasn't semi, it wasn't really conscious. It was just, you know, you kept the cattle that performed the best. Yeah. And that's kind of the foundation. Now it became... <clears throat> People here in the U.S. started to gain interest of it in the 1980s and 1990s. Also, Nat Florida is the gentleman who really was the first researcher who pushed it. Pete Hansen has continued that work. And that's kind of where it's expanded out from, is from the University of Florida research. So you just kind of answered um, a little bit what I wanted to touch on, but I guess if we could just uh, maybe dive into it a little bit more in the history of it. Um, how long have we known about the slick gene, but also do we know like what percentage of the breed population you believe to have this mutation? Outside of the people who have been selecting for it on, in Puerto Rico in the programs around the world, it's a it's very tiny right now, 0.05% mm -hmm. maybe. Okay. Um, the good thing about the about this trait is it's a dominant trait. So if you just have one copy, you're going to have expression just like in polled. Oh. So it can be rapidly ingressed into the population. And that's kind of what everybody's working on right now is trying to, to take, we, because you started out as with crossbreds, right? There was not a mutation that naturally occurred in Holsteins. You started out with crossbreds and people have been rapidly trying to step up from um, those crossbreds. And it takes a number of generations to get up and away from that. And then, so we're to that point now where we're starting to see bulls in that eight, 900 
net merit range that are relatively high uh, Holstein genetics and with decent type. That are expressing this gene now. Yes. Um, but we're also we're also focusing on creating homozygous animals now as well. Okay. So obviously this kind of originated in the Caribbean area, but, um, you know, with weather dependent, I'm assuming that this gene would be beneficial in some areas of the world versus others. Um, right. What is ST genetics doing, I guess, to push this mutation into the right spots where it belongs? We estimate that with the changes in the environment, we're looking at 60 to 70% of the Holstein population in the world could probably benefit from this gene in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, okay. It's a gene that obviously when you put it up into the northern climates, it may not be all that advantageous unless you can control your barn temperatures in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, used, we used to have a herd of cinepoles in Texas at Navasota that we maintained under contract. And it was kind of interesting watching them because when it was above 100, they'd be out in the fields just munching down, you know, completely unaffected by anything. It got down to 50. They're huddling up (laughs) (laughs) to stay warm. Yeah. You know, so um, there's definitely a place for them as far as the temperature gradient. And another interesting thing that's happening right now with them that we're learning more about is there's a large study financed by the Holstein Association in collaboration with UC Davis and the University of Florida looking at the slick trade and how it, inter- how it interacts with the environment. And what we're learning from that is that it may actually be more, advanced, more advantageous in the humid environments than in a dry, hot environment, which is a little bit of a surprise because the animals cool themselves off by sweating. Mm-hmm. And what they just, it's not that they have more sweat glands, it's just that they sweat more. Again, so we're kind of surprised that in a humid situation where it's humid, you would expect that maybe they wouldn't cool as efficiently, but it seems to be that they're cooling more efficiently. So we have quite a bit. Interesting. It is. We have a lot to learn, but in yeah. both both environments, we'll see how we go forward with 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 the production on yeah because nobody's really looked at the dry environment so far with slick it's really been focused on the human environments so more to come from that i guess right (laughs) yep a lot to come so i guess what benefits do you see the slick gene giving the holstein breed overall well this goes back to if you know me laura i've been talking about that we're we should start thinking about optimization levels in the holstein breed Mm mm-hmm if the average U.S. Holstein today makes 25,000 to 26,000 pounds of milk, she's over 1,000 pounds of fat, she's over 900 pounds of protein. Not saying that there isn't room for improvement in those traits, but if you can take that kind of production and put it into, uh, maintain that in a, in a more tropical environment because you have the ability to mitigate the heat, that that's where this gene really plays a role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to have, if you have something that to mitigate the heat, then the level of production isn't quite as crucial as long as you can maximize that genetic level of production. And you know, the slick is just part of what we're looking at for heat. I, uh, ST, we have a very large program looking at heat tolerance that for other genes that um, affect heat resistance. And where Joseph's team has found some interesting possibilities 
in that area as well. So it's not only slick that could be attributed to heat mitigation. It's going to be other genes as well. It's uh, slick is just part of the answer to heat mitigation. Mm-hmm. Is what I want to stress. But it's probably the simplest <laughs> yeah. process. So do you think a widespread of this gene would alter the breed? And I guess in what way do you see that happening? I think that it could alter, make the breed much more competitive in the tropical regions than it is even today. You know, there's a couple of other interesting pieces with this as well is if you can make them red or if you can make them white instead of black and slick, that also improves your heat mitigation. Um, There's actually work going on in Australia right now where they're editing, I'm not sure exactly how they're doing, what, what they're editing with, but they're actually editing to create white cows with black eyes. Um, which would kind of be the ideal combination as long as you can get away from the sunburn sort of issue with the white cattle. But that's also why red cattle um, are much more heat tolerant than black cattle. So if you can get slick red cattle, that would also take you in that direction. And, and as a consequence, Laura, if you can increase production and reproductive efficiency by 5%, 10%, and do that over the entire population, without changing the underlying genetic levels, that's huge. And I, you know, personally, again, I really see that. There's a lot of interest internationally for this. I, my personal thing is that eventually the gene will be migrated and just most tropical cattle will have it. It's just going to be a given. You know, it's, it's sort of the same discussion we've continued to have about the pole gene mm-hmm. where people say, you know, it's just going to migrate. The problem has been that we haven't had high enough levels of old cattle to justify it. Well, the heat slick is different in that you don't necessarily have to have a plus 1500 net merit bull to qualify. An 800 net merit bull and slick might be just as advantage as a thousand net merit bull and non slick in those tropical regions um, because of the improvement in reproductive efficiency and production. And that's why I think that as people begin to think through this, that there's going to probably be a quicker uptake of slick than there is even a pole in a good portion of the world. And again, it's easy to move in, you know? Yeah. So what efforts are currently in place um, when it comes to research and development on the slick gene from ST Genetics? Um, The biggest project that we have going on is with the University of Gatton in Australia, where we're looking at comparing slick and uh, on the lower crosses. So that's a fairly large project that we came into secondarily. They were already going to, they were already working on it and we, we stepped in after they had started and um, have a long ways to go. But I think that's kind of an exciting project because the Bosyndicus cattle have naturally shorter hair as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not from the mutation that we, we see in the slick cattle in the Bos Taurus. But, um, that's what gives Boston to kiss their heat resistance is their extra folds of skin, which interestingly enough, the slicks also have a few extra folds of skin, not quite to the extent of Boston to kiss, and the shorter hair. So uh, it's it's a straight up study to see which which makes more sense than the lower cro- than the lower crosses or the the slick cattle, and that's fairly exciting. We also have other 
those kinds of um, collaborator effects that were, or collaborator projects that we're looking at developing, particularly um, in the Southern Hemisphere. And I guess just to wrap wrap this all up, David, is there anything else you'd like to share with us on this gene or, I guess, share why you believe it's so important to the breed? Well, again, I, because it's, it's a naturally occurring gene that imparts heat tolerance and resistance, it's easy to move in. To date, we have not seen any uh, negative effects. There's a bunch of other interesting projects going on related to this gene. In beef cattle right now, they're looking at it as per imparting resistance to endophyte toxins. So um, in fescue, there's a lot of work going on with fescue and um, endophytes and don't ask me how it, what the pathways are that make it functional, but <laughs> apparently it, it does offer defense against endophyte-infected fescue, which could be a huge piece, again, in tropical regions. You combine that with pre-reproductive efficiencies and production efficiencies. It's, there's a lot of other opportunities out there for it. And I, you know, I just said that we were going to wrap this up, but I do have one more question that just came to mind, and that is, would you like to mention any bulls, or are there any bulls that ST Genetics has available that has this gene? Well, right now we've got the, the two bulls that are most readily available are, are Blanco, who was our first bull. Blanco was the first bull in the slick bull in the world that was in AI. He's um, a very economical bull to use if you want to play around just with the slick gene. And then LZ is a quite a bit better bull than Blanco when you look at the total production. He's like 648 net merit. We have a number of young bulls coming up, but then kind of really excitingly, we've got a, a couple of captain daughters that are slick. And we're actually going to be putting in some eggs this week, shooting for some homozygous uh, calves out of those slick captain daughters. So That is very exciting. Yeah. So more to come from this gene, but... Um, David, I guess just thank you for, you know, joining us today and sharing with us all your knowledge on the slick gene. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Laura, for the invite. This was another episode of ST Talks. If you like what you heard, you can find more episodes on your favorite podcast platform by searching ST Talks or ST Genetics. And if you want to learn more about ST Genetics, visit our website at stgen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And from all of us at ST Genetics, we hope you have a great day. 